Welcome to Printing Profits. For many merchants just starting out, creating a shop on Etsy is the fastest way to get their online business up and running. But because of this, the competition among Etsy sellers can also be high, especially during Q4, which is why understanding how to use that marketplace to its full potential and having a strategy to turn those product views into sales is incredibly important. Lucky for you, I have just the person to help with that. Welcome to Printing Profits. I'm Talish Zuffer. After transitioning from a stressful corporate job to running multiple stores on Etsy, Jay D'Souza has earned over $2.5 million in sales, making him something of an Etsy guru. But don't just take my word for it. Just look at his widely popular YouTube channel, Jay's Way, his thriving Etsy print-on-demand Facebook group with over 18,000 members, or his online courses, which have so far been attended by over 1,000 students. Right now, though, we're really excited to have him here just for you. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dallas. Awesome so, to see you again. I know. Long time no see. Ever since Amplified, we've just been wanting to get you back ASAP. Uh, but speaking of Amplified, uh, a lot of the time that we spent together there was uh, talking about Etsy, uh, your famous marketplace versus standalone uh, store debate. So people who've watched our channel know who you are. Um, but right now, we're in the middle of Q4. And... As an as I guess the uh, the certified voice on Etsy, or I guess the guru that we like to call you here, um, what would you say to people who are worried heading into Q four about not being able to compete in the marketplace? I, I think you just have to see. This is it's a mindset thing, right? So you definitely don't want to go in thinking you're going to have to compete. Mm. If you kind of you know. Worry about finding a niche or something that you're actually good at because, or, or that you know more about than most people in a room at any given time, for example. That's hmm. the best place to start because then you're going to be able to, you know, create some kind of unique element to whatever it is you want to bring to Etsy, right? So, like, yeah. there's, there's, ah, oh, 90, 91 million buyers right now or 92 as of the third quarter. So, hmm. I mean, that's, that's ramping up. That was an actual record for buyers on Etsy. So like you don't have to worry about competition. I think if you just bring something absolutely unique, if you can, but does that to a certain extent, um, in your opinion, kind of go into overdrive, you know, this time of year, like, I guess, are, are there things that, you know, we should, we pay attention to that we should be doing a lot more of, or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I've said it a thousand times, but it's a Tony Robbins quote, success leaves clues. So if you're having any mm. kind of success at all, just kind of, you know, dissect what is working and try to build on that and do more of what's working. Don't try to throw thousands of listings up and hope you succeed because inevitably, you know, 80% the Pareto rule says that 20% of your, your 80% of your revenue is going to come from 20% of your listings. So if you got a thousand, you know, listings up that you're just trying to get up for Q4, arguably 800 of those are just going to sit there collecting dust mm. and all those new bumps in the algorithm that Etsy gives you, eventually are going to tell that algorithm with zero conversions that, you know, buyers just don't want your stuff. You talk about this idea, and I've heard you mention this before about, you know, really focusing on offering something unique, you know, focus on what you do best. I really like what you just said about like, you know, it's that 80-20 rule, right? 20% of your listings yeah. are probably going to do most of the heavy lifting for you. But um, I guess for people who are struggling or I guess first-time sellers, 
what what do you do to make sure that you're offering something unique? Is it just the niches like you said that you're targeting and is it a, is it a work method? How how do you become unique as an Etsy seller? Well, you can, you can start by you know, looking at what's out there, there's various tools and stuff, but the easiest one is literally look, start typing in the Etsy search bar, right? What auto populates there, yes, can be geared towards, you know, your your personal shopping habits, your geolocation, all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's still going to populate those phrases with what is currently trending or hot on Etsy, what Etsy's yeah. algorithm thinks that you're going to, you know, complete that sentence, right? So start there, look at what's out there. You can... You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. You don't have to like, you know, overthink this be the uniqueness. Um, you can be unique in br by bringing a new aesthetic to an existing idea already. Otherwise, um, yeah, having a niche is ultimately going to be imperative for long-term success though. Right. You talk about, um, about design uh, and you have a graphic design background as far as I understand. Um, mm -hmm. So that gives you, you know, uh, I guess an eye for detail on these things, especially when you're when you're on Etsy and you're doing the research and you see what's trending. Um, how important to be successful on Etsy do you think it is uh, for somebody to have a design background, or do you think they can get away with that? You know, be successful, but maybe not invest so much time into it as you do. Yeah, so I mean, there's all kinds of ways around that. You can always outsource the design element if you're not artistically inclined whatsoever. But no, you you don't need to know design. It's also so. Like for for my example, uh, for me per se, I, I you know I've been given a talent and I've just kind of run with it. But these are all things that you can learn, right? Mm -hmm. A talent just gives you a tiny bit of a head start, but like the, these are things that you can mechanically learn. You can read and learn how to use tools. And you know, people talk about like quality over quantity, and and mm -hmm. I I do also. It's I'm a proponent of that, but. The, the thing about quantity is that inevitably, you know, you're, you're essentially practicing, right, over mm. and over and over. So the more you use these tools, the more you put up, the more you list, the more you design, the more you create the mock-ups, the more you upload, the better you become at all facets of that process, right? So it's not necessarily, you know, yes, put some research into your design and do it with intention, but don't, yeah, don't just throw up, you know, a, a thousand listings just for the sake again, but you know, with practice comes perfection. So I think honestly, anyone sure. can learn how to create great designs. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to do that and that's not your forte, then outsource it. Right. I have outsourced some ideas to other designers just to get like a brand new take on something that I wouldn't have otherwise really? considered. Wow. Yeah. Why not, man? I, and that's the other thing. Like I won't, I'm not looking on, you know, uh, some of these, uh, freelancer sites or whatever for like the cheapest deal or anything yeah. like that. I'll pay somebody a hundred bucks for a design just to get their take. Because if I don't think it'll sell, it's at least given me some kind of new ideas or inspiration on how I can tweak it, make it better. Or they create me a banger best case scenario and it sells, you know, exponentially over the next Q4. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, there's nothing wrong that you'll never, Hey, <laughs> you're never going to learn everything and be the best at everything ever. And It'll never be perfect no matter what you're doing in, in the POD space because everything's always evolving faster than you can keep up from most cases. Uh, but but B, it's like just because you know what you're doing doesn't mean that you can't outsource just to solicit ideas and get inspired again, right? I yeah. think that's, you know, to preach, to think that you know everything is, is you know, going to set you up for failure that way. So I be, like that. don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. 
One of the biggest things I think uh, people who sell on Etsy really value, of course, is the use of data, right? You mentioned that yourself. You're doing your, your keyword research. You're maybe looking at trends from last year, thinking about how they'll apply this year. Um, for new sellers who are just starting out and maybe don't have the previous year's data because maybe this is their first Q4, um, how do they decide what works for their niche and what doesn't? I mean, aside from just doing the trend research, how, how do you figure out that data? So yeah, I, you know, niche research is paramount, I think, and supersedes keyword research. Mm -hmm. So I, like these are two different things here. A lot of people will use a lot of the tools and look at the data that, like, if like you said, if you don't have any existing data in your backend of Etsy to to look at yourself because you're new, um, there are tools out there to you know basically scrapes Etsy uh, parts of what Etsy allows them to scrape uh, and gives you all kinds of data back uh, on their on their specific platforms that you can see. And I think people put too much stock into these specific keywords, right? Whereas if you do more niche research mm -hmm. and actually know the subject matter yourself, the keywording element becomes easy because all you have to do is keyword it in a way that you would actually dump into a search bar. I see. Right? Like you, you're not just taking these keywords that are, you know, uh, low competition, but high search volume and then slapping them in there because they may not be the best keywords for that design. And I think a lot of people put too much stock in the data and don't, and not in the design research. Do you think you lean more on the design aspect of it because you have a design background and maybe you have like that, you favor that more? Or do you, or do you think, cause I, you know, like I, I, I'm always caught between people who, you know, use Etsy and, and say, okay, like you got to know the, the trends, you got to know the algorithm, you got to figure out the data. And then, you know, I feel like there's another school of thought, which is, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're creating things that people want to buy, right? People buy with their eyes, like you said, that, you know, with their yeah. designs. So I guess like, like, do you think that it's your design background that maybe makes you lean on this more? Or do you think that it's a better way to sort of approach selling on Etsy rather than just, you know, looking at the data and looking at the algorithm? I think it's probably a bit of both. Like, mm -hmm. I'm design-oriented that way, right? But um, but at the end of the day, I, I would think that that would be paramount because that has worked for me for uh, over a decade now, right, of selling mm -hmm. on Etsy. It's like, it's what works. All the keywords in the world isn't going to sell if your design doesn't hit the mark. Absolutely. And it's got to be an emotional like an emotional resonance is what you're looking for. You want somebody to see and be like, oh, that's awesome. Conversely, if your keywords are terrible, mm -hmm. but your design still crosses their eyes in, in somewhat of the same vein or niche, they'll still buy it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, you don't, SEO is a, is a definite, definite second or third place when it comes to the package, right? It's design first and then the mock-up has to be that initial photo has to be what grabs that attention to get the click, right? What about the work that sellers should be doing um, during Q4 in terms of marketing or ads? Does that change in this time of year? I mean, if you are currently advertising on Etsy, it, you know, I, I would do this as, and I do do it as, as raise my ad budgets for hmm. sure. Right. Um, but I also, a lot of people say, and I, and I've said this in the past too, but you know, you learn it, live and learn. Right. But, <laughs> uh, a good practice on Etsy has always been to, especially for new sellers, and it continues to be a good practice, is to only advertise what is selling in your shop. Mm. Um, and the idea there is that like you, you won't know what to advertise and people, you get clicks and everything just costs money at the end of the day that you know you, you might not have as a new seller, right? You don't have that buffer yet. But uh, once, once you kind of figure out what works and you get that kind of, you know, that recipe of creating designs that you know will sell, then I, I honestly leave that box ticked when you create a new listing. Advertise this listing? Yes. 
because I know it's probably going to sell. Sure. And then you uh, reevaluate in about three to four weeks and see kind of what the data is. Has it sold this, that maybe, you know, obviously if it hasn't in three or four weeks, it's missed the mark. Right. Yeah. And I say three or four weeks because two weeks isn't always long enough to cross uh, a payday <laughs> or, you know, some people get paid once a month. So you want to make sure you at least have four, like a 30 day span. Um, yeah. And set budgets for what you can afford, right? Like don't put $5 a day if you can't afford to lose $150. It's about testing. Um, I would definitely, yeah, run ads or spend more on ads for Q4. But if you haven't already, it would be a great time to start collecting emails, pre-sale, post-sale, as long as they've kind of like in your shop doing something or initiated some kind of contact. So uh, yeah. And, you know, leverage those if you can collect them. And uh, there's a couple of tools out there that make it super easy now. Um, and then, you know, build build a, a Facebook page or a TikTok group or following a Facebook group, whatever it is, wherever your target audience hangs out, I would start working on stuff like that because you can just throw up some pretty awesome stuff and leverage that audience that's already warm because they're loving what you're put, you know, the content you're creating. So yeah, there's all kinds of ways to drive traffic. Um, in the middle of Q4 right now, if you're starting right now, I wouldn't even like we're, you know, almost halfway through November now. If you have about 10 or 15 or even 20 killer Christmas designs to throw up for Christmas, go for it. But if you don't, don't worry about Christmas. Hmm. Worry about creating evergreen stuff that you hope to see sell like in q1 q2 q3 and because at christmas yes christmas stuff can sell but evergreen stuff everything sells at christmas right yeah. so the idea is to not flatline come the first quarter i guess it feels like the work that you're doing up till q4 is kind of putting in the time to find out what those best-selling designs are what those evergreen products are and then just really yeah. kind of uh, uh you know focusing on them during q4 i feel like what you're saying is you know don't wait till q4 to figure that out in fact if anything you know use that time to push that push what works as much as you can yeah yeah, Q4 isn't a time for testing. It's mm. a time for doubling down on what already works and you know planning for Q1. Uh, the first three quarters of the year are your time for testing and you know knowing what works, for sure. How much attention do you think sellers should play, should uh, pay to branding um, during Q4? Is that something that like if they're trying to scale up their business that this is the time to do it? You know, with well, I guess uh, if you're doing branding inserts or even in just the content that you create, uh, is now a good time to focus on branding, or do you think that it's also something that you should be doing throughout the year? Um, the the good time to focus on branding is always now, no matter mm. the day of the year, like 365. Um, yeah, well, why not, right? Like if you can, if it's not your own name, but if you've created a shop name that that makes sense as a brand, not Jay's Cool Crafts and More, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, That's that speaks to, screams perpetual hobby, right? Sure, and you don't yeah. want to do that. If you've got like, you know, again, I'll say it again, like do everything with intention. So think about, your target audience, that niche, create a brand name for your shop that makes sense if you were to scale and go, you know, outwards on your dot coms or the standalones or whatever you wanted to do, right? On Etsy, I, the, the time really to brand it is now. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way uh, you can't. It's so easy. Like, they, with Printify's, uh, the card inserts that you guys the have, branding inserts, 10 cents. Yeah. I, yeah, they're fantastic. And I also put a QR code on that that drives them to 
wherever I want to take them to come join my Facebook group or come join or click this for my other shop where I have this or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So everyone's got their smartphone in their hand. If you have a QR code on that branding insert, you know, you could send them wherever you want. My email list for 20% off, scan this. There you go. You now built your email list, right? Like so simple. Um, And the, the neck inserts, the label inserts are great. I love them. They turned out great. They look good. Um, yeah. And I, you know, for throwing less than 50 cents extra onto your cost to have the branding inserts and the neck labels and stuff. I mean, I think it's a, it's a no brainer. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely sets you apart too, right? When people open something, they feel, of course, it, yeah. it makes you seem more, it's more exclusive, right? That's the intention with the branding, right? You want people to resonate with your message and that's a great way to do it. So, um, you're, as we mentioned in your intro, you are the admin of one of the largest, uh, at CPOD groups on Facebook. Um, what are the concerns that you hear in that group this time of year from other Etsy sellers about the things that they're worried about, or maybe things that uh, are particular to this Q4 that maybe they haven't seen before? Um, in general, it's mostly the complaints right now are, are Q4 hit and I'm not making any sales. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you haven't made sales in the first three quarters, just because you crossed <laughs> that October 1st, you know, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make sense that you would therefore make sales with this flip over of a, you know, crossing that midnight threshold or anything. But if you've made sales and yeah, it stands to reason that you should be making more sales come Q4 when people are more active shoppers out there. I mean, with change, with everything comes change, with change comes, you know, hurdles and headaches. And, um, but I, yeah, I don't, as a, as far as sales go, I feel like sales are down all around. Mm. Um, seems to be about by you know fifteen to twenty percent for the most part year over year. Does that concern you? I mean, you've been on Etsy for a while. Is this something that sort of? I mean, is it something that happens every once in a while, or how do you feel about what's going on? It's a tough one to say. I don't. I don't think this is something that worries me. I have no intentions to go elsewhere. There's people out there that you know, started their shop in 2023 at the start of the year and are blowing people out of the water. Mm. So you can make sales. It's just, if you haven't adapted or changed, look at why your sales are down 20%. Look at your competition, right? I think, you know, my sales dipped, I'm down about 9% year over year, Mm -hmm. not terrible, but also cause enough for concern for me instead of griping in the groups online at, you know, seeing what's going on, like are blaming outside factors. I just analyzed my competition. Are their sales also down? If so, takes the sting out of it, right? But if their sales are not, what are they doing different? Did they sure. pivot? Did they make any kind of change? You got to be on your toes all the time. It goes back to what I was saying before. There's no set it and forget it button. Like you're always going to have to evolve and, and you know, uh, change with trends. Like even evergreen designs that everybody likes is, oh, it's an evergreen design. It, I don't know why you know it stopped selling all of a sudden. Well, even evergreen designs have a shelf, <laughs> finite shelf life, right? Sure. Like, but yeah, I would, I would argue that if your sales are down year over year, then just you know do some self you know reflection, introspection there, and and see what's see what's different or changed because I guarantee you, you'll find a pattern somewhere for sure. Well, hey, man, before we let you go uh, and before we flipped on the mics to do this uh, interview, uh, we were talking about your recent move to Belize uh, mm-hmm. and how excited you were about that and all the trials that came with with making that move happen. Um, for a lot of people, having the freedom to travel, to work, I mean, this is, you know, there are three shots at freedom, as we like to say here at Printify. Um, this is the ultimate goal. So for somebody like yourself who's doing it right now, what advice would 
would you give to sellers who also, you know, kind of one day want to be where you're at right now? Oh man, the advice, A, just do it. Open an Etsy <laughs> shop, do it. Like I would say uh, once your shop is open is price higher. Mm. Stop trying to race to the bottom. Like I, I was telling people that I was doing about a uh, $12 profit on a Gildan soft style, for example, is 64,000. Um, and people are like, what? Like $12 profit on a t-shirt. Oh, what are you, you're obviously selling the comfort colors or the bell. I'm like, no, I'm selling a Gildan. Like, that's what people <laughs> pay. Right. Yeah. And then like, yeah, 20% off coupon would net me about $8 profit. Well, I, that, that's not the case anymore. Now I'm $12 and $16 and 85 cents. So like that's a sale versus non-sale. That's my profit margin. U S dollars. I'm making 16, $17 a t-shirt. Yeah. And it's, you know what I mean? Like you can do it. So it's perceived value is a real thing where the, by like the, the price tag associated with an item inherently seems to, or appears to give it a higher perceived value, right? Sure. So people think it's worth more just because it's priced higher. So like all the, all these people pricing their bell and canvas canvases down to, you know, for a three or $4 profit just to get that sales ball rolling. I, again, if you're ultra competitive, with your designs and doing more of the same that's already out there, then you might have to do that. But if you're unique enough and can, you know, bring something new, you, you can price whatever you want because, and then add shipping. Like if people have emotionally resonated enough to add it to cart, mm -hmm. a $6, $7 shipping fee, isn't going to make them pull it out. If right. it's unique enough, right They're there's, they're already smitten with it. They're going to buy it. But yeah, number one is just do it. Just do it. Um, we, yeah, I can't, it, it, it's overwhelming to even think of what would have happened had I not opened an Etsy shop. Where right. would I be? Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's not about what could go wrong, all the things. It's about what could go right. What if this actually works? Right. Yeah. Like, there's no better motivator than, you know, celebrating those small successes along the way. And then you make that first sale, they'll go for 10. You make that first 10 sales. Now you want to 10X that and go for, you know, 100 sales. And then before you know it, you could be doing what we're doing like you know i'm <laughs> speaking to talishet printify to me this is surreal on my own right you're a legend uh, right stop it i was gonna say maybe the motto of this whole interview is price higher folks and you too could be neighbors with jay d'souza in belize <laughs> i'd love it yeah <laughs> well jay we love you pal that's why we like talking to you thank you so much for having a chat with us today thank you so much for having me man i appreciate you taking the time of year day for for me always this is Printing Profits. Hey folks, thanks again for listening to Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Jay for chatting with us today and at the same time introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Jalvite. Associate producers, Anita Njoki and Amalia Schwarzkopfa. Technical and video production, Emils Yasuns and Valerie Zolechno. Sound production, Christos Hartmanis. And I'm Tyler Suffer. See you next time.